Hello everyone. I'm here to let you know that we are taking the month of May off in order to get ready for everything we do during Pride Month. One of those things is a gender and sexuality Q&A episode, so please send us your questions for that by June 1st. You can either email us at thegaylyprofit at gmail.com or you can go to hashtag ruthless.com and click on contact. Another thing that we will be doing in June is an episode on the Chuck Tingle book Trans Wizard Harriet Porber and the Theater of Love, which is the sequel to Trans Wizard Harriet Porber and the bad boy Parasaurolophus. Both of these books are loosely Harry Potter parodies and are directly in response to J.K. Rowling's transphobia, but even if you've never read Harry Potter and don't care about it, Uh, You'll love these books as long as you love seeing trans people happy and in love. So you should definitely read both books. And today here on this feed, you will hear our episode on the first book, which came out last summer. Both books are very short and sweet. The Kindle version is only $7 and you can also get the paperback from almost any local bookstore if you don't want to support Amazon. Just to note that these are erotica books like all Chuck Tingle books are. Uh, So if explicit descriptions of sex aren't for you, you should probably skip these. Uh, The episode on the new book is going to drop on June 1st. And then after that, you'll have a couple weeks to send us your thoughts and questions for Chuck Tingle before we interview him about the book. Who I've been talking for so long. All right, before we get into this joy of an episode, one last thing, I just want to give a huge thank you to all of our patrons and folks who have made donations, everyone who's been buying our merch and who is a member of our sticker club. Uh, You all make it possible for us to do all of the things that we do, and we're just so incredibly grateful. All right, that's enough of that. It is with great pleasure that I now present to you Trans People Get a Happy Ending, our discussion of Chuck Tingle's book Trans Wizard Harriet Porber and the Bad Boy Parasaurolophus. Trans people are valid and wonderful. J.K. Rowling fucking sucks. <laughs> Those Chuck Tingle tinglers are working. I was like, has Chuck Tingle been listening to our podcast? Because... <laughs> Didn't we make that point in, like, episode three? (laughs) This is how everything should be written. Let trans people have a happy ending. Hello, and welcome to The Gaily Prophet, a podcast where we need a fucking break from J.K. Rowling. And so today we'll be discussing a book by Chuck Tingle. I am America's favorite Griffin dandy, Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Griffin Dyke extraordinaire, Jesse Blount. And today we are talking about a book written by two-time Hugo nominee, Chuck Tingle. Trans wizard, Harriet Porber, and the bad boy, Parasaurolophus. Y'all, this book is so good. (laughs) It's so good. Yeah. Okay, but let me uh, summarize to for you this entire book, which I definitely recommend that if you can to buy this on Amazon for seven dollars. Definitely worthwhile, uh, if any. But yeah. <clears throat> So I do hold on a second before you do your intro. Uh, I know we have some listeners who are minors. Oh. We often are like fairly explicit on our podcast, but like. This episode is going to graphically talk about sex, if that's not something that you feel good about. Also, for our, like, sex-repulsed listeners, 
uh, content warning, like, this is an erotica novel. There's a lot of sex in the novel. We're going to be talking about sex. That Thank you for, yeah, that's a good intro. We just have gotten a lot of emails from, like, 14-year-olds lately, and so I'm feeling highly aware of the fact that we have some younger listeners. Hi, 14-year-olds, we love you. I mean, yeah, this would definitely be, like, an explicit fanfic on AO3, so. Yeah. Yeah, also, we are going to be spoiling this entire book, so if you want to be unspoiled, you should uh, stop right now. This book is 150 pages. So you could definitely read it and come back to us. Yeah, and again, if you want to read it and you haven't and you have a financial barrier to being able to, send us an email at thegaylyprofit at gmail.com and we will buy you a book. Especially for our uh, trans and non-binary listeners. Yeah. All right, so this this here book in which Harriet Porber is working on her newest spell but has wizard's block. Her agent suggests that she go to a private island in Ireland where her agent has a cabin. On the ferry to this tiny island, Harriet meets two bitchy sentient motorcycles, Bellatrix and Braco, who make fun of her for like no reason. Harriet arrives at the charming, at the charming cabin, but who is making a ruckus next door? Only international rock star, bad boy, TM, bard, complete hottie, tattooed, metamagician, Trans man and Parasaurolophus Snabe Resmore. Uh, Harriet is a fan of his music, but not of him destroying her peace and quiet. Also, he's totally in a thruple with the motorcycles, and Delatrix is not like our heroine. Naturally, Snabe asks her out on a date anyway, and she accepts. The date is fine until Snabe needs to rough up some rowdy drunks during the date. The same night, Delatrix fakes getting hurt for attention which backfires as Harriet and Snape bone down in the woods. Delatrix tries to get her revenge by leaking one of Snape's unfinished songs that only Harriet had access to, which only led to Snape dumping both motorcycles and exclusively dating Harriet. It's all cute getting work done and fucking in the studio until someone cuts the brake to Snape's car. Harriet is fine, but bruised, so she stays in the cabin while Snape starts the tour with his band, Seven Inch Nails. While Bumpleborn, Snape's old bodyguard, who is definitely explicitly gay and also a woolly mammoth. Delatrix tries to kill both Harriet and Bumbleborn on a boat as they leave the island. But Harriet's spell that she's been working on this entire book works and comes to her rescue with Chekhov's oar. And she's able to beat Delatrix off and into the, into the water. Alas, motorcycles are very heavy. Harriet is okay. Snape is happy she's alive, and while on tour, Snape proposes to Harriet, and they live happily ever after. That was excellent. (laughs) Uh, You really nailed this very convoluted plot, so well done. We have uh, some different, we have different sections today because this is an entirely different situation, so our first section is just, we're going to talk about the book generally uh all the things that aren't like specifically about like harry potter or like trans stuff just like overall book related things so let's start off sounds good my first one is an incomplete sentence about the fact that sentient motorcycles exist in this book and (laughs) apparently that makes me feel away i don't know (laughs) 
I feel like honestly, the sentient motorcycles were the hardest for me to visualize in my brain. Yeah, because they do things like wear t-shirts and have arms. Have arms. And it's very, also, they're, like, clearly something that have sex, which is, like, with how, what, I don't, yes, they were the most complicated for me as well. Yeah, I, I was, I was, like, I should look at some fan art, because I feel like, I mean, I've seen enough furry art on the internet to, like, pretty much envision a, like, hot, sexy dinosaur, but, like, sexy, like, sentient sort of human motorcycles was just like my imagination isn't that good. <laughs> yeah there's a we get like a tiny bit of a motorcycle on the cover but we don't it's just like a motorcycle with a head where the steering wheel should be which is not enough information i don't think maybe what if we just imagine them as like centaurs only the bottom half is a motorcycle yeah, that is way, way easier. I don't know why I didn't think about it until literally right now. <laughs> Same. <laughs> oh, jeez. And they drive cars. That is also very complicated for Actually, me. I kind of love that because that was one of the lines <laughs> that I highlighted where there are big feet, I think, on the the ferry they take where Harriet first meets the motorcycles. And they're like, why do you have a car? Your motorcycle. Yeah. And it's just like, what <laughs> Agreed. I think my first plot thing is that, so in the beginning of this book, uh, Harriet's plight of creating spells is basically the same thing if you imagine like a writer who has writer's block and her agent's like, you know, the publishers really wanted you to get on that. Your first spell was a hit, but now we need another one from you. And basically her spell created magical bubbles containing various scenes from the caster's life but it was easy to personalize and soon the scroll went viral i just want to say that harriet invents magical instagram basically that's exactly what i think it is too (laughs) (laughs) and it just is very charming to me yeah but also like irrelevant to the plot i mean i think I like that also later in the book, Snape calls Bubbleus Morphus a sad spell, which I feel like is also commentary on, like, how shitty social media can be. Sure, it sure is. <laughs> which feels very relevant to our lives right <laughs> now. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, <sighs> sure, sure is. Actually, maybe do want to bring up that, okay, so... There is actual magical stuff talked about in this book. And it is actually really fascinating. So Harriet, our heroine, she is a wizard. She uses a wand to cast spells or also uses that to create slash enact spells. And Snabe, our bad boy TM love interest, is a bard who can... They just need to sing or, like, perform on, like, musical instruments in order to create their magic. Mm -hmm. And I love that. Like, I, 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 like, genuinely am, like, that's actually great. That's actually an excellent way of, like, world building some magic. 
Yeah, I totally agree. I also love that you can like uh, buy like single use spells that like anyone can use, whether or not they have magic. And like, in order to perform a spell, you don't have to just like know the incantation. You have to like buy it, which is really interesting. Like that's how Harriet makes a living is that people have to like buy the Bubbleus Morphous scroll to be able to like use their magic Instagram. Which is also very like RPG video game. We to like buy scrolls in order to learn new spells. Uh-huh. So, but I also am just kind of. I'm always like, there should be more in fantasy the incorporation of like music as magic, mm. just because like music is so powerful in general, like throughout human like history. Then I'm like, I mean, this is of course just goes back to like we need less says het white dudes publishing fantasy but i'm just like where's all my fantasy books full of music all that comes with that so it's it's all i want so to have it in this book i'm just kind of like oh go add it to the google doc for the book we're writing oh my god i will also <laughs> snabe Resner and seven inch nails right <laughs> like oh wow you are this book is definitely written for older millennials really i was like has chuck tingle been listening to our podcast because (laughs) didn't we make that point in like episode three (laughs) i mean i think i don't know maybe i guess there are just more queer goths who love fantasy that I guess I assumed. Jeez. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that, I think that joke honestly made me just as happy as any of the digs at Harry Potter. <laughs> Which also I feel like is is a dig at Harry Potter in and of itself because it's like, that's ex- like Snape is totally a angsty, like you know, I mean, what we call them an emo drama queen, but like, I feel like Nine Inch Nails also totally fits into his teenage persona. Yeah, I guess if I had to guess, I guess I would feel like Tool would be more yeah up his alley than Nine Inch Nails. 100%. As someone who was also very into Tool. <laughs> I think I just can't get over how much like Chuck Tingle gets me apparently. <laughs> I, I feel the same way. Absolutely. <laughs> So let's talk about chocolate milk, which is apparently both coffee and alcohol, which is a slippery slope that makes Harriet seem like an alcoholic because it's the first thing that she drinks every morning. But then like everyone else is like quitting chocolate milk. (laughs) Um. Okay, I have to say that it must be like a weird Chuck Tingle thing. Also, the like amount of spaghetti that they eat i think they only eat spaghetti in this book and it's snape eats steak but yes and the chocolate milk is a chuck tingle thing i've read his faq and one of the questions is why are you so into chocolate milk but i i think i stand by it needing to either be alcohol or coffee i mean i guess either works for the like you're a stressed out writer and you're trying to get inspiration and you're just waking up and pounding whiskey in your coffee or just straight whiskey i don't know yeah but like she's supposed to like more or less not be a like bad girl drinks first thing in the morning (laughs) character i mean yeah 
Yes, but then it's also the bit that I actually highlighted because I love it towards the end where she's just like, I thought of all of the street fights I used to get into in New York and I used, I channeled that energy to like punch Deltrix in the face. And I'm like, wait, what? Mm -hmm. Yes, I love this detail. (laughs) (laughs) That's for sure. But yeah, the chocolate milk thing is real. It's very weird and funny. Yeah, also very stressful as a lactose intolerant person. (laughs) I'm like, calm down, everyone. That is nauseating. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, uh, other other plot stuff. Okay. Do you want to talk about the amount that Snape talks about being a bad boy? Or do you want to leave that for the Harry Potter stuff? Uh, I think it can be brought up in multiple places, is my position on that. So yes, let's talk about it. Okay, so I guess I want to say first off is that Snape, so he he is a, he practices meta magic. So he is, so he often says thanks because he's aware that someone is reading this book, which is, Mm -hmm. but it like works into the story because he's like, yeah, my magic is meta magic and it's like what so let me let me just read you i think i don't know if this is the first instance of it <clears throat> i'm sorry he suddenly blurts noticing my appalled expression i'm just written this way what i questioned confused it's a trope in romance the dinosaur continues to explain the more of I, the more of an asshole i am in this part of the book the better payoff it is when you change me later on I have no idea what you're talking about, I reply, shaking my head from side to side. It's okay, he continues. As long as it's clear this is fiction, in the real world, you should probably just break up with someone who acts like this, or even quit their class. Yeah. And so we get quite a few sections like this, and it never fails to make me laugh. It's so good. It's such an incredible trope for something that is not just parody, but is an explicit commentary on something because it's not it just squeaks under breaking the fourth wall because he's not addressing the audience he's addressing the audience through a surrogate in harriet so he's staying in the book but will say things like i want the audience to understand i want the reader to understand and it's so beautiful. Like, it's so great. I love it so, like, it's so, such a brilliant plot device. I mean, I feel like in this book, the, like, fourth wall is, like, made out of the same, like, weird material that tents are made out of. So he's, like, pressing on it, but, like, not going through. But it's still a very flexible wall. <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful, Jesse. Thank you. Yeah. Um, And I just... I love that so much. I'm like, I just don't, I just, it's just so self-aware in a way that's so very satisfying. And he, and this book takes a lot of shots at JKR and it's so beautiful. It is so beautiful. (laughs) It's, It's so incredible. And like, it also is, like, this is a, And the structure of this book is, like, of an actual romance novel. Like, it hits all of the emotional beats of a romance novel, and, it, like, it hits them well. Mm-hmm. And even though there's, like, passages like that where it's, like, oh, you know, I'm just I'm just written that way. Like, you know, bad boy characters got to do the thing. And it's, like, 
it's like this is a parody played seriously because yes. it still reads like an actual romance novel. And mm-hmm. as ridiculous as sending it motorcycles and sexy dinosaurs are, like, the emotional beats hit. I feel like, I don't know, I just feel like I, I, like, I definitely, like, care for the characters in this book, even though it's, like, written a little bit silly. Also, the sex scenes are very good. They are very good. <laughs> I totally agree with you, and I also think that it's, like, made better by the fact that we get these incredibly poignant passages through the like meta magic stuff where Snape is addressing us as as readers that's like an entirely separate category of emotional things like I think all of the things in this book that made me cry were in those passages that were just like I'm gonna talk more or less to the reader about like validating trans people while simultaneously in the same breath being like it's okay to still love harry potter even though jk rowling is an ass and so you get these like two simultaneously emotionally poignant and like enjoyable stories that are happening which is the definition of meta this is such a good book like, like the like the layers in this book are very rich and it's so wild because like it is clear that he wrote this book and published it no one read this book before it went out there are more typos in this book than i have ever seen like there are the wrong word like just entirely the not a word that belongs there but like a word that you would accidentally type trying to type that word because it's similar keystrokes like this was not edited between it's a one shot that's what i'm trying to say like i think that he sat down he typed this book he released it i don't think there was even a second read through before it went out and like to be able to have constructed something this nuanced and developed and like touching and created these characters as as well as this sort of like two simultaneous like relationships that you're having with your reader in like one moment of sitting down at the fucking keyboard like what and i feel like there's a moment when harriet references it where she's like i look up and realize i wrote fifteen thousand words since i sat down wow that's wild and i was like chuck did you just is that where you stopped for the day (laughs) you're just like shit that was a lot i'm gonna go drink some chocolate milk all right i want to get over with talking about my one major complaint I have one and a half complaints with this book, but one of them is, like, small and silly. But I have one big complaint okay. with this book, which is, like, in this moment, in this moment in time, why did we have, like, multiple references to calling the police for things that you should not call the police for? I was Interesting. Like, what are you doing? Like, this is a... a book like a social commentary book on something that's happening right now and there's like another something that's happening right now that you should also be thinking about and like the part where harriet's like there's only one thing left to do i'm gonna call the fucking sheriff especially as a trans person like she doesn't at that point know that snape is trans so like at least she's not like calling the cops on a trans person knowingly but like i just like hmm 
Hmm, that's not a good look, Chuck Tingle. Like, I mean, I don't know if this is going to make you feel any better, but I don't think cops have guns in Ireland. I mean, cops aren't great. Don't call the cops. But that's no one's true. liable to get accidentally shot by a cop. Is Chuck Tingle thinking about that or Harriet in that moment? Because neither of them are from I mean, the UK. Pro- I mean, possibly not. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, I would prefer to not have cops. Even if they're unicorns, look. Even if they are unicorns. <laughs> that was, I think, made the most deeply offensive parts. Like, how dare you make this unicorn a cop? Yeah, totally. A unicorn would never. That's... <laughs> a unicorn would never. It's true. You're not wrong. Uh, that's actually interesting. That is much different than my one complaint of the book. Okay, what is it? Which is, uh, they never use lube, which I'm like... That is my other complaint. Spit is not lube, please. They're not even using spit. They use spit the first time in the woods. Mm, No, because she goes down on him first, and as anyone who has ever used a sex toy knows, those things are, like, absorbent and or very hard, and so liquid evaporates off of them very quickly. Here's my note. If you're going to have sexualis secundus, why do we not have organus lubricus? Right. Come on, you're magic. No matter what kind of sex you're having, I guess aside from oral sex, you need to be using lube with sex toys. Yeah. Full stop. Yeah. Never, no matter what, have anal sex without lubrication. Never, never. And again, like Jesse said, spit is not lube. Yeah, I mean, I think that was the most part where I'm like, it it was, which is really unfortunate because the sex scenes besides that are very lovely, but I'm like, it's like reading a fanfic by someone who doesn't know what sex is, and so they're like, yeah, you can use spit as lube, or shampoo as lube, or like blood as lube. Like, neither of these things are lube. Don't use any of these things as lube. Use no. lube as lube. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, or like coconut oil. Right, or like, right, like, if you want to use oil as lube, that's totally fine. That's an actual lubricant, like. But look in, look into it, because some of them can, like, cause infections and stuff. Yeah, so. <sighs> no, for sure, that's also my other complaint with this, with this book, because they never use lube. I'm like, I know, I just, y'all. every time I mention it, I'm like, where is the lube? Use some lube. <laughs> Nothing should be working this easy without, w- without lube. <laughs> no like i'm sorry that like his cock is enormous there's n- zero way that you're successfully having anal sex mm-hmm. with a giant cock and no lube i know it seems like a it seems like a weird oversight in a book that otherwise like has so many things well thought out i know that people think that putting on lube isn't sexy I don't know what's more sexy than making sure that your partner's going to be comfortable. Right. But just just do it. Just figure it out. Think of the children who <laughs> don't know. <laughs> like, our the American sex ed system is not teaching children that they need lube when they have sex. So. Right. So if any of the 15-year-olds, if you're, li- you're still listening, if you're going to have anal sex or use sex toys, please get some lube or some coconut oil or something. Yep. And don't use silicone lube on silicone toys or you will ruin them. Yes. Also, just like, don't use silicone lube, maybe. Unless yeah, that seems weird. Water. I think that's the only time that you really need it. I don't know. That sounds like getting a weird infection. 
I think it doesn't cause infections, but it is like, I think, very hard to clean up. That's fair. Because it's not water soluble, which is why it's useful for having sex in the water. That's true. Um, my other issue with that, which maybe could be in the trans section, which is not necessarily an issue. So look, Snape is a billionaire. So like, probably he has like a very fancy packer that's like has like a rod that you can insert for when you want to have sex or like i don't know is inflatable or something but like for anybody who hasn't had sex with a trans mask person like people don't walk around packing something you can actually use to like penetrate someone with (laughs) that's not comfortable like unless you're planning on having sex in which case there are like semi-rigid toys that are like packable but like it that's that's not a thing that's that's realistic or or done i feel like chuck probably did some research into like trans sex before writing this book i think generally it's like especially the we're out of section but whatever the conversation that they have before they have sex for the first time is like perfect i loved loved it it. so much but yeah the fact that snape is just like prepared for like random sex when they're like in a hospital i'm like he did not wear his (laughs) having sex packer to the hospital like that's not that's not a thing (laughs) though i will again i I do want to say that like as a billionaire maybe his like everyday packer is just one that's like really i don't know like a batman gadget (laughs) 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 the sexiest batman gadget i mean i would appreciate that i mean i'm sure you and a lot of people would appreciate (laughs) i don't know what we're wasting technology on if we can't give if we can't make packers that like you can go from like semi-hard to hard what are, what do we do with ourselves? Fucking Alexa? No one needs that shit. I mean, there are, for the record, like four hundred dollar custom made, extremely realistic pack slash sex prosthesis. Mm-hmm. I think uh, that, but it's still like you have like a metal rod that you have to like slip in which would have been really easy to write and i actually would have really appreciated having that written in like him needing to like get something out of his pocket uh real quick before they actually like got down to it that would have been like really cool to see though even so i feel like probably there would have been a lot of people who like wouldn't have understood what was happening because again like those are financially inaccessible uh for the majority of people yeah four hundred dollars is a lot yeah if you have four hundred dollars and you're interested it's rodeo is the person who sells them the same company that does the underwear and the and Mm -hmm. the (gasps) good for them Mm -hmm. they're great a lot of money fucking love rodeo but they're like hand painted like, oh these God. are, like, incredibly realistic. Oh, that means each one looks different because it's hand-painted. Mm-hmm. They come in, like, ten different skin tones, I think, at least. They're, like, exquisite works of art. I'm sure they should cost $400, right? Like, if we're actually compensating people for their time. But, like, anyway, we've we've gone off track. Yeah, maybe I'll buy some underwear from them. It's 
Like, they also have very cute underwear. They also make packing underwear, which is great. <laughs> Rodeo, sponsor us. <laughs> Maybe I'll send them an email real quick and be like, so... <laughs> if someone at Rodeo is listening, uh, that would be cool if you could sponsor us. Do you want to send me some packing underwear? I don't have any that I didn't sew myself, and it doesn't work very well. <sighs> um... Okay, mm, what's the next... Oh, wait. What's my next plot point? I deeply appreciate that every single time Harriet is like, I do not want to join your ridiculous motorcycle harem. She (laughs) immediately says to us, the reader, that she has nothing against polyamory. She just doesn't want it in that situation. Every time, like, it's not just like one time, just to make it clear, like, if she's going to put down Snape's ridiculous, like, quote unquote, harem, she's going to immediately be like, it's fine. I'm fine with it. I just don't want to be part of it. I was like, this is how everything should be written. Like, so beautiful. (laughs) Why can't we have this all the time? Yeah. I mean, I also feel like, yes. I feel like more people verbalizing that, like, verbalizing that. And also just, I don't know, more thruples in general and more polyamory. Like, I hate a love triangle. I'm just like, everyone writes that. That's, like, that's boring. Like, just write that they're all in love. And then you can explore the complications and joys of that in your writing. Agreed. I think that's kind of my last specific, like, plot thing. All right, my last one is that I was extremely upset that they play bard spells that make you hallucinate on the radio that you can listen to in the car. Because that (laughs) is not safe. I was so upset when she was listening to that spell in the car. I was like, oh my god, you're gonna have an accident. It does sound very distracting. Or does appear very distracting. Yeah, I would not like that. Don't drive a car if you're on acid. Don't drive a car if you're listening to a spell that basically makes you on acid. (laughs) It's not safe. (sighs) All right, let's move on to uh, the Harry Potter section. So in this section, we're going to talk about the specific... Harry Potter references, the specific digs at Harry Potter slash J.K. Rowling, etc. I like that we start this book off with a clear, just like, full shade at J.K. Rowling for the fact that she has not written anything worthwhile since Harry Potter. Like, there is no doubt that the wizard's block that Harriet is experiencing at the beginning of this book is just such a, like, what have you been up to, J.K. Rowling, all these years, a.k.a. Robert Galbraith, writer of crap? Like, um, well, I, so another podcast that I listened to where they review bad books, they actually did an episode about one of J.K.R.'s mystery novels under her like terrible pen name Mm -hmm. the episode is hilarious and the book sounds intolerable like it's just it sounds so terrible i haven't read them i've just read summaries and i'm like this is awful uh i tried to hate read one of them um after i listened to the uh, episode 
where they were making fun of it, uh, the podcast I was listening to, and I was like, I can't even hate read this. This is terrible. What is that podcast in case people are interested? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, the podcast is called I Don't Even Own a Television. Okay. So after that, what's the next thing that we should talk about? Uh, I, I have I have a couple of quotes that are just direct digs at JKR. Yeah, this I have copied this out of context, so I don't know if it is Harriet or Snape who says this, but I guess it's just important to remember that just because a fictional character is a jerk, it doesn't mean the author is too. Likewise, if a fictional character is sweet and awesome, their author could still be really awful and bigoted. This is a direct quote from this book, you guys. It's incredible. <laughs> I think I just started laughing. I was just like, oh my god. Uh. And this is, it's so brilliant because it simultaneously is like jk rowling you're awful while validating that like harry potter as a text as like or like the characters in the text that we have like grown to love and like identify with and whatever are still worthwhile and that comes up repeatedly in these like meta meta paragraphs or whatever you know because it's like I just love how careful it is to be like, she's awful and it's okay that you love Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's so tender. It's it's not, like, this book isn't vicious. It's so aware of the fact that it, like Harriet's fate spell, is exactly what you need, exactly when you need it. And it's an answer to people who love Harry Potter, who are deeply harmed by jk rowling's words and like that's who it's for it's not just to like shit on jk rowling as much as she deserves it the primary purpose is to like validate and like offer a hug to jk rowling's readers that she's harming and i just like (laughs) it's so good yeah, it's, like, so affirming as, like, a reader, but also such a bird for JK. It's like... It's like you're gonna need some water for that burn. Holy shit. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, my God. Side note. I just, like, you just did a full, like, I live with a nurse on that, that you replaced ice with water because you're actually supposed to put cold water on burns and not ice. But like the phrases, you need ice for that burn. And I love that so much. (laughs) I love that so much. Yeah. Don't put ice in a burn. Yeah, don't. Cold water. (laughs) Cold water. Um, All right. So we already talked about how Chuck agrees with us about who Snape is. I'm going to talk about Gobby. (laughs) who doesn't do a lot of being Dobby for most of the book, but the the sentence, I never said I would tell you if he was already here, is like full Dobby. Yes! <laughs> uh, that part was so ridiculous. Yes. So funny. Uh, I feel like... Okay, so besides our our main characters... The other rip-off Harry Potter named characters we have are the motorcycles. Mm-hmm. Uh, Delatrix and Braco. Which, I mean, I guess Delatrix actually is 
a lot similar to Bellatrix in being a little obsessed, just a smidge, mm-hmm. and doing some very harmful actions out of her obsession. And like, is really, if there is a villain of the book, I guess it is her. Even though it is like, I don't know. It's always sad when you're like obsessed with someone and they don't think about you like that. But uh, also she tried to murder Harriet on a boat. And Bumbleborn. And Bumbleborn. And did and, like, murder Breko. Yeah. And then was going to frame Breko for all of this. I I thought that Breko was really true to Draco also. With her like wishy-washy like back and forth almost doing the right thing doing the wrong thing like i thought you were just gonna scare them i didn't think you were gonna shoot everyone and it's like breko what do you what do you think was gonna happen yeah and the whole thing with like the wand where like she had a moment where she could like do the right thing and then like she waffled and like threw it in the water and it's like oh this is like exactly the tower scene from book six (laughs) yeah complete with a nearly dead bumbleborn Mm -hmm. who is um not at all like dumbledore except for this quote that also made me laugh out loud for several minutes which is when we first meet bumbleborn i think like in the first maybe like page that we meet him i'm gay bumbleborn says uh what i stammer a little confused that's cool. I just want to say that clearly in the story, instead of claiming years later that it was there in the subtext the whole time, the woolly mammoth continues. Gold star. A just, plus. I know. It's so good. Oh, it's so good. Also, Bumbleborn is clearly like a leather daddy, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I understand like using this character to be able to make that commentary so like making this the, the Dumbledore character but like Bumbleborn is obviously Hagrid yeah I feel like no for sure like this enormous comforting gentle creature I was like this but mm, this is Hagrid um but if it had been Hagrid we wouldn't have had a, a space to get this particular commentary so I think that the right choice was made overall. Yeah, I mean, also just a giant, fluffy, shaggy, woolly mammoth. It's just like, there should be more books that have fluffy, shaggy, woolly mammoths. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure that Chuck Tingle's website is organized by, like, what kind of creatures in the are. I think you are correct about that. So you can, in fact, find more. Maybe, maybe, where they're not having sex i just want there to like be like i don't know platonic woolly mammoth stories anyway (laughs) let's shall we talk about snabe yes i love all of the moments where like the toxicity of the snape character is addressed and the fact that he sucks and needed to do significantly more work in order to be a redeemable character it's incredible. I love when he says, I'd be a shitty boyfriend and a shitty professor. (laughs) 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 And all the like subtle Slytherin stuff too, where like his, or his cabin is like gray and green. And he was in a frat called Lizardin and is like, that's why I'm a dinosaur in this book. Get it. (laughs) 
<laughs> and it's like, yes, incredible. <laughs> uh, so good. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like all of his stuff about like being a bad boy just like throughout the book was just so ridiculous. That's, I think, all I have on Snape specifically. Oh, yeah. Um, so in the chapter, Snape's lesson is where they go on a date and then there are some like drunk dudes that are hassling Gobby. So he has to like throw them out, like beat him up and throw them out of the restaurant. And there's this line where it's like, you got to remember that bad boy characters walk the line between appropriate and inappropriate. It's for the readers just as much as it is for Gobby. And I really love that because yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. That is like exactly why people like me love a bad boy character. <laughs> <laughs> And it's like, why are you going to call me out, Chuck Tangle? I mean, I feel like I felt so good about it because I feel like this was another way that this book was validating because a lot of Snape's bad boyness didn't have a lot to do with Snape's shittiness specifically, mm-hmm. but was more about like bad boy tropes, right? Yeah. And the ways that this was like, addressed throughout the book felt a lot like it's okay to love this character in a book it's okay to like want to role play with a character like this don't be in relationship with people like this and yeah don't be in IRL relationships with people I feel like that's so great because I think that it also kind of felt like I don't know, like Chuck Tingle being like, look, if you're like drawn to this kind of person, you should get into role playing and stop thinking that you can like actually fix people who don't want to be fixed, which I also think is a thing that we just like need to see more in books in some way or another, you know? Yeah, it's actually it's really it's really interesting because I was. I saw something on Twitter. It was like retweeted by one of the Reddit relationship reblog Twitters that I follow, where it's always just full of like terrible people making terrible decisions in relationships, and it's just like red flags everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so, and so they retweeted a post that was like, you know what? Let's post what are green flags in a relationship. Like, what are Ooh. things that are good that you should look for? And I'm like, this is what we should be teaching people. I mean, we should also teach people what red flags are and how to know that and get out of a relationship but like also just like knowing when you're in a good relationship being able to point out like you know specific things is also really useful because like i don't think anyone like tells you like what's in a good relationship and looking at like a lot of art yeah a lot of art involves the relationships with fucked up people which is Mm -hmm. enjoyable but like definitely not anything to try to like figure out if you're in a good relationship or not or like what to look for in a partner or significant other right i mean i feel like to me that is maybe most clearly expressed at least in terms of things that i am interested in watching and reading or whatever uh in the conversation about like buffy and angel versus buffy and spike Mm -hmm. uh because leaving out the episode that joss whedon should never have written which i just like personally don't accept as 
canon because it like doesn't make any sense with Spike's character. Nope. I am like firmly team Spike and think that Angel is a toxic asshole who is like so manipulative and so shitty to Buffy from the jump. And like there's a lot with Spike especially early on in their relationship that's really fucked up but spike talks to her like he talks about what's going on he wants to like hash out whether or not like the things that they're doing are okay with everyone he is like super honest and vulnerable with her about like what he's feeling and wants to know what she's feeling and like those are green flags nothing that angel ever does with buffy is a green flag angel is no a monster (laughs) like do not date him not like a vampire monster nor like an irredeemable human just like don't date that guy he's terrible you can figure out a like meaningful worthwhile relationship with spike once y'all like actually sit down and have the conversations that he is trying so hard to have also maybe don't have a relationship with buffy because she also is toxic as shit yeah i'm yeah yeah i mean i'm definitely team buffy and spike but i think i'm also i'm also just like spike maybe you should find someone else oh totally (laughs) absolutely spike is too good for buffy i mean i also i also really love spike and drusilla but i also recognize that like there are some challenges in that relationship also but yeah they were also together for like 200 years or however however fuck long and i'm like I just want to write stories about, like, established couples going around being vampires. What's wrong with that? I'm with you. Sorry, I have a lot of Buffy and Drew. I mean, Spike and Drew fan fiction that I've written. Because I, I love that. that. Anyway. No, like, I... Right. Obviously, I feel the same way. And it bothers the hell out of me that, like, the reason that Joss Whedon wrote that fucked up episode was because people were like we love spike and he was like you're supposed to hate him he's bad he doesn't have a soul i'm gonna like write him doing this despicable thing that like literally doesn't make any sense with everything about the way he's been written up until this point and it's like maybe if you didn't want us to like him you shouldn't have written him as being such a like upfront vulnerable honest character because you seem to not think so but those are actually really fantastic qualities in a person that people like and appreciate yeah i mean also um i mean maybe it's just me but never use a sexual assault lightly in and in storytelling yeah. <laughs> maybe just uh uh yeah don't don't do it especially when it's gonna traumatize the actor that has to perform that i don't know if y'all are familiar or not but like james mercers was deeply fucked up by having to act out that scene because of like personal history and that more than maybe anything else makes me so fucking angry at joss whedon i'm like how dare you I mean, he's also trash. I mean, Josh Reedon is also trash. He so. is trash. Throw throw him all the way away. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> that's for a Buffy podcast. Um, yeah, this... <laughs> for one day we have our Buffy podcast. Yeah, this book has a happy ending, which is great to read uh, a book about trans characters where it's like... And they lived happily ever after. They lived happy ever after. And that the driving 
kind of drama that's happening isn't about them being trans. Right. Yes. Which is, yeah, really fucking hard to find. It's like hard to find, but also clearly easy to do. (laughs) Take any ridiculous romance plot or like wacky hijinks and put trans people in it. And then there you go. Yeah. (laughs) It really is that simple. Yeah. Yep. Okay, my last thing here is just this tiny little... Like, just beautiful thing where Minerma is like, we'll have the money delivered by giant owls. And Harriet's like, wait, really? And she's like, no, we're going to use a wire transfer. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why I didn't highlight that. That was so funny. So funny. Oh, it's so fucking good. It's so good. Again, it made me be like, Chuck Tingle, do you listen to The Gaily Prophet? And if so, do you want to guest on our show? Because we would love to have you. Also, Bumbleborn has a tall, widgetly hat that demands respect. That's true. <laughs> he does. Which I actually also highlighted because I'm just like, LOL. You know, a thing that actually bothered me about his character is that he's a woolly mammoth, but he uses his wand with his quote unquote hand and not with his trunk, which was like very hard for me. Oh, I just immediately imagined he was using his trunk. Because I'm like, right, it's like elephants have like the pads. They like you're using your trunk. That's yeah. the whole fun of writing elephant characters. Yeah, exactly. A prehensile nose to do cool stuff with. Yeah. Yeah, it describes him also as untying the the boat thing uh with his hands and I was and in my mind I was imagining it with his trunk, obviously, and then I was yeah, like, does that clearly. say hands? What are you talking about? This is an elephant. <laughs> yeah, I just disregarded Be that. I'm like, nope. realistic. <laughs> Chuck Tingle, this is the most, this and the lube is the most unrealistic part of this book. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. <laughs> I love this book so much. 20 points to Gryffindor for our ability to get in world with this book. I'm awarding us house points. I get to do that. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm here for this. All right. Are we done with that section? Yeah. Time to talk about trans stuff. Let's talk about trans stuff. Woo! Starting with the fact that I just like really understand Snape because post-top surgery, I also never want to put a shirt on. <laughs> I'm like I get to feel comfortable with my shirt off for the first time in my life I will be topless every single moment that I can be topless it's great I feel like Snape is just like shirtless like two thirds of this book mm-hmm. with his rippling dinosaur ass <laughs> <laughs> and his sexy tattoos which we don't get descriptions of, which is very funny. I just had to imagine what they looked like. That's true. What do you think they looked like? Queer witchy tattoos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> runes and shit. I don't know. Totally runes. Absolutely. Runes are the, like, nine inch nail dude of witchcraft. That no is offense, so true. Readers. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's well I mean literally like metal 
and runes come from like the same part of the world so that actually makes a lot of sense sure does it's like i like my witchcraft like i like my metal norse (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) yeah definitely definitely covered in runes i also want to talk about so in the chapter where the motorcycles are making fun of harriet she's just like what i'm in like some Chuck Taylors, and I'm just really comfortable. And it's like, this is this is the look, motorcycles. What are you talking about? Effortlessly casual lady is the look. Why do you guys talk shit about her? Do you feel like that was related to her being trans? I mean, no. Never mind. This is just is completely something related not to her being trans. Okay. I do appreciate, though, how, like, casually it's just written out. I'm just like, you know what? Yeah. As a trans person, sometimes... People are shady to me. I got to keep going. It's mm-hmm. just like that is the whole sentence mm-hmm. about us finding out that she's trans. And I'm yep. like, yes. I loved it so much. For a book like not written by a trans person, this book fucking nailed it. I was just like endlessly impressed and also just like, I don't know, don't get to like see characters like me represented in media very often. And so it was like really cool to just have it be like chill and not like a thing tm yeah it's just like this is a thing that's true about these characters and has literally nothing to do with the plot and then like proceeds to like literally make it not a big deal for the rest of the plot Mm -hmm. while simultaneously validating the fuck out of readers who are trans consistently it's just so good i know it's yeah it's it just felt really good to read because i'm just like i feel like sometimes it's hard with books about trans and queer characters where you're always kind of like is something fucked up gonna happen to them Mm -hmm. you know but it's like i didn't feel on edge about that at all yeah and like bad things happen to them but like it's only it's like very mildly and like easily solved and it's like you know, they come out stronger for it. And I'm just like, oh my god. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to talk about uh, three quotes that we get. So these are all meta meta quotes, right? Snape talking to the reader via Harriet. And one of them is both about validating continuing to love harry potter even though jkr is trash which is uh talking about characters and how they can be like in a ya novel or in like a parody erotica novel but they're that doesn't change who they are and it says what makes them who they are is the heart and soul of each character not the shell that it's wrapped in uh which i thought was just this such a a beautifully crafted sentence that manages to do both of those things at the same time. Um, And then we get these other two quotes. One, I think this was the first thing that made me cry in the book. Maybe I don't remember. Uh, I want the reader to know that they're beautiful and strong and important in whatever body they inhabit. And, we fully grasp that sometimes our bodies and our souls are perfectly matched and sometimes they're matched in a way that's uncomfortable, but these differences speak nothing to the purity and strength of the soul itself. 
I had I had I had like all those things also highlighted because actually I have that whole highlight the whole passage from that that from the last chapter highlighted because I'm just like it was so good. I was just like, oh my god. Yeah, listeners, I will have you know that Jesse and I were both clutching our chests. <laughs> I was reading that. It's so like i don't know it's just like so fucking beautiful and like well done and well constructed and yeah i like i honestly i read i haven't read a lot of like novels that have trans characters in them because like they're hard to find and mostly like not something that i actually want to read uh but i read a lot of comic books that have trans characters I think even with that said, like Lumberjanes is the only one that I've read that's like as validating as this book is validating, which sucks. But also it was just like, this is so great. Like, I think the only other time that I've cried at like trans validation in a book the same way that I did in this book was when I was reading Lumberjanes, which is written for like 12 year olds. (laughs) Um, But is doing everything right. Anyone who hasn't read Lumberjanes needs to like go to the comic book store on the internet right now because (laughs) open open a new browser window whatever you're doing and like order that right now yeah preferably from your local comic book store and not from amazon yes definitely go see if you can find that resource of black owned bookshops and see if they sell it but yeah i don't know it's just like really fucking great it was really great to read and like be part of i know those are those are some of my favorite parts too there's also another quote that i really liked it's pure distilled meta magic offering a brief glimpse beyond the page and an assertion that the characters have nothing to do with the pages they're written into characters are separate a soul versus a body like they give me chills yeah totally which is like you know those those uh, tinglers, those Chuck Tingle tinglers are working. That <laughs> literally gave me chills for that. I'm just like, I was not expecting to feel this way in this erotic romance novel. I think, so I had that in my like takeaways section. And I, I feel like my takeaway from that is that like, I think I want us to start talking about trans identities in terms of like, soul versus body as opposed to the like gender is like what you feel in your brain because I feel like a lot of people who struggle to understand transness might actually like get it better if we're talking about the like granted extremely vague and hard to pin down concept of the soul quote unquote but it feels like way more accurate to me also in terms of like what does it feel like to be trans like i don't necessarily know what like a soul is but in terms of the way that like my brain grabs onto that word i'm like yeah that makes more sense to talk about like where where gender lives yeah no i think that makes a lot of sense because it's kind of like if you're talking about the soul in a not religious e kind of way. It's just sort of like shorthand for that kind of just like indescribable essence of what makes you a person, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm like making gestures. Like, I feel like I don't know how, but like, yes. Yeah, no, I think 
Exactly. That and that's like that's why I think it feels more right is because it's that's a different thing from like personality, which I think mm-hmm. is what people think of as like what is in your brain, right? Yeah. Like gender isn't a personality. It's something deeper and more nuanced than that, which I think that soul is like a useful word to sum up what that feeling is. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm like officially proposing that we all switch the way that we're talking about it to use soul as our whatever we use to describe what where gender resides in our being. I feel like I don't know, have we had that conversation? I feel like on air about like where gender resides like I don't think so. Cool. I meant we like societally. <laughs> I'm proposing a change for all of society. <laughs> I'm here for this. What else? What else goes here? Uh, let's talk about the sexy bits. Yeah, let's do it. The first time Harriet and Snape have sex in the woods, it's like the way that it's written is excellent. It's perfect. And the like, just I mean, I have, I have like, I have the quote highlighted from their sort of exchange. Before they're having sex, or before they go any further, that I can read, if you want, for us to... Yeah, by all means. All right. Before we go any further, this is my cock. The dinosaur informs me. Don't call it a strap-on. Don't even think of it as a strap-on. This is my dick. Understand? You've got a huge cock, I replied with a smile. That, just three sentences. Just the perfect three sentences to put in front of the sex scene and then to go on and to be like, oh, and by the way, these are trans people having sex, but we're just gonna, it's, you know, this is what it is. And we're going to move on to the like sexy bits. And it's like, this is great. Yeah. Do you have the, the part where Harriet talks about herself? Um, I don't have that highlighted, but I can definitely pull it up. I mean, I think that me being me, I have it memorized. I'm pretty sure she says, like, he pulls down her panties and she says, you can touch it and you can suck it, but call it what it is. It's my clit, not my dick. I've read that twice. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah, I'm actually pretty sure that that is what the... And then when they have, like, moved to having penetrative sex, uh, she just is like, this isn't my ass. And he's like, you don't need to. You don't even need to say it. And I feel like what's just so fucking like refreshing about that exchange is that it's assumed by both of them that there doesn't need to be any more conversation than that and Snape doesn't have any reason to know that Harriet is trans when they start having sex so like you know, while a, a cis reader might be like, oh, well, like, she's going to be fine with that because, like, or, like, they're both going to be fine with that because, like, they're trans or whatever. Like, it's, imp- I think that's really important to, like, take into consideration that he is stating this to her that matter-of-factly and that, like, assuming that it isn't going to be a big deal because it doesn't need to be a big deal without any assumption that she is also a trans person Mm -hmm. because like that's how it should be yeah did i say that in a way that makes sense yeah okay it is really refreshing to have 
just to have all of this and an erotic romance novel. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was just, I don't know. Their sex scenes were just so like hot and also lovely just because it was like, we're going to have this, you know, we're going to speak these things, but it's not going to be like a whole thing, TM. Right. You know? I guess I just want to mention, like, for folks who don't have reason to, like, otherwise know this, maybe. So there's, like, I mean, Simultaneous Orgasm is, like, a romance novel requirement that's not realistic for for most people. But, again, I mean, we're, let's go ahead and just assume that Snape is using some sort of, like, go-go gadget prosthesis that is performing like multiple duties for him (laughs) but there are like very few you know strap-ons that you can use that would necessarily lead to you getting off from penetrating someone there are some but like not ones that you would pack (laughs) because they like go in your body yeah and i mean i feel like i guess for me as someone who reads a lot of erotic fan fiction and was like oh yeah like yes simultaneous orgasms are like definitely just like a romance trope that like people like to write but i don't think people have in real life i do sorry (laughs) that's okay (laughs) never mind (laughs) i feel like i'm like the only living exception everyone's like that's fake and i'm like well (laughs) that's fine But mostly that's not a thing. Yeah. And yeah, it kind of like, I guess for me, fits in kind of with the like no lube thing where it's like the sex scenes are like written to be hot and maybe not necessarily written realistically. I also, though, I just don't feel like it would have been not hot to have their like, because in the majority of these scenes, Snabe is getting Harriet off by going down on her before they're having the sex where he's getting off. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it would have been not hot to write her getting him off as well. Although I guess it might have been like riskier potentially, but not not impossible, you know? Yeah, that is true. If anyone wants to write us erotic fan fiction of this book and send it to us. Oh my God. <laughs> Fan fiction of fan fiction that's, like, because the original text is already extremely meta, that's, like, double meta. I can't even. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) All right. Yeah. Is there anything else in this section? That's all my things. Yeah, I think that's that's all my things, too. All right takeaways perhaps the most important takeaway for me is that it was not very long ago that i publicly declared that i would never read snary fic (laughs) and that i was repulsed by it and i apparently have been proven wrong okay i don't think this is i mean their names aside i mean it's not it's not but Technically, it is. I don't. I don't know about that. Actually, still. All right. I I like that you're not sure about it because I I feel better about that. Yeah. 
So I feel like my takeaway is besides a shockingly good message about like a shockingly good like feel good message. Actually, maybe that's all I have. Yeah, this is this is like a very excellent bomb for like the amount of injury I feel about JKR mm-hmm. and just like Chuck Tingle to like break this out to be like. Actually, I want to. Actually, I do want to end reading the. The kind of whole paragraph from that the line at the end that you really liked. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the arena momentarily disappears, and for a brief second, all of us understand how beautiful, unique, and important we really are. We realize our place as characters on a journey who are better at being ourselves than anyone else, and the cosmic power that comes with that. We fully grasp that sometimes our bodies and our souls are perfectly matched, and sometimes they are matched in a way that's uncomfortable. But these differences speak nothing. Like... I feel like folks who want to, who are over their uh, HP tattoos, who just get uh, some Chuck Tingle tattoos, like. <laughs> oh my god. Someone start designing <laughs> Harry Potter cover-up tattoos that are like a trans dinosaur. be so incredible. I feel like I would totally get like, I don't know, I'm just imagining like a little like stylized, you know, trans dinosaur and then a little like stylized like Harriet. And like a heart, like a little cartoon heart. Oh my god. So sweet. Oh my god. Also, all of our fan artists out there, can you please start, can you make us some fan art of this and like make sure that Snape has tattooed over like top surgery scars and just make it everything that it deserves to be. We'll post it on social media. I was definitely imagining that in my brain. Mm -hmm. Me too. Um, okay, so here's my list of things that I love. I love that it makes a point to talk about like how Harry Potter stands on its own separate from J.K. Rowling um, in a way that isn't about like separating the art from the artist, but is more about validating people who love Harry Potter, uh, which is such a nuanced thing to do, and I really appreciated it. I also just love, I mean, all of the, like, meta self-awareness of this book and the messages that it has for the audience. Like, it's like an educational book in a lot of ways, where it's like, bad boy trope is toxic, Snape is a terrible character, trans people are valid and wonderful, JK Rowling fucking sucks. (laughs) Somehow, in the context of this, like, beautiful, fully imagined story that very much has actually nothing to do with any of those things yeah so i don't know what your house is chuck tingle but you know 100 points to you yeah this is definitely like this is such an a feel-good read in a way that i think that people like to disregard kind of like feel-good reads as being like trashy or like fluffy or like beach reads or like whatever but it's like we're living in literally the worst timeline. Like, this is the bad place. And we should all be just reading enjoyable erotic romance novels with hot trans dinosaurs in them. I think more than that, too, this this shows us the power of a feel-good read to address political things in a way that isn't explicitly political like Mm -hmm. what if all feel-good reads just made a point to like include tons of diverse characters 
in the same way that this book does where it's like not the point but just normalizes right it just is like these are just fucking people because that at the end of the day like trans people are just people and like the more you work that into the context of books where like that's not the point the more societally normalized quote-unquote marginalized people are right and so maybe that's like i don't know a like thing that fluff writers could be doing is like you can actually be like writing something extremely explicitly political without writing any politics yeah like it doesn't all have to be like grim dark and like terrible or like gritty it can it can just be light and have a happy ending you know yeah it's like important to have stories about trans people having a happy ending when like so many terrible things are happening in the world to trans people and it's like just more happiness and more fluff let people have some some pleasure reading and be like ah yes a happy ending Mm -hmm. absolutely like let people have like let trans people have a happy ending (laughs) yes is that the title of the episode probably yeah yeah this is great thanks for doing this book with me i'm so glad i read this book to be perfectly yeah, no, me too. That this book was on it was a, a balm for my soul, not gonna lie. Um yeah, all right. Well, thank you everyone for coming on this this journey with us. Uh we will in fact be back in 2 weeks with chapter Harry Potter chapter content. Whichever chapter is next is I literally don't remember. <laughs> it will be an episode that we recorded like I think four months ago so who knows what's in there (laughs) not me definitely haven't edited it yet so it'll be a surprise find us on the internet at the gaily prophet on instagram facebook and twitter you can find us on our website which is thegailyprophet.com you can support us on patreon patreon.com slash the gaily prophet and if you want to leave us a tip for the hundreds of hours of comment moderation that we've been doing lately you can do that on both venmo and paypal and by clicking the donate button on our website uh both our venmo and paypal are linked in the link in bio on instagram you should also uh rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts they make our days to know that people are really enjoying the content that we're making yeah it's a fantastic way to support us for free also tell your friends about our podcast yes uh where can they find you jesse y'all can find me on twitter at jesse underscore detroit or on instagram at live from detroit you can find me on Instagram at Lark Malachi. That's L-A-R-K-M-A-L-A-K-A-I. Or uh, on my website, which is also LarkMalachi.com, where you can get a tarot reading from me if you wanna. Uh, the music in our theme song is by Kevin McLeod. Our show art is by Theo Julian Forrester. And until next time. Chocolate milk, spaghetti, motorcycle. I was going to have it be this dinosaur name, and I can literally not pronounce it still. Parasaurolophus. Thank you.